Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Welcome to the podcast, History, Politics, and Beer, the 2020 Election Edition. We are here to take you from election to inauguration, examining the issues through the lens of history. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Shockey and Jeff Hudson. All right, welcome everyone to another edition of History, Politics, and Beer. My name is Matt Shockey. I am one half of this production. The other half is Dr. Jeff Hudson. I do the introduction, and Hudson brings the beer. And Hudson, we have uh, a very festive-looking bottle yeah. here today. It's uh, from Tropes, a brewery in Harrisburg, which I would recommend anybody in eastern Pennsylvania go visit the brewery. They have great food there. I visited there. They gave me a tour. You know what's cool about Trogues? You can actually go into the brewery. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can take. They'll take you a tour, and, and you can, you know, see go into the hop room and smell oh. the hops, and it's great. But they have because it's Harrisburg water. Uh, <laughs> they have a complete filtration system, and not only that, if they brew a type of beer like a Pils, Pils, Pilsner beer, which is from Pilsen and Czechoslovakia, has a certain type of, they can go over to Czechoslovakia. Sample the water, get the minerals content of that, and then reproduce that water to brew a Pilsner beer in Harrisburg. Do they really? Do yes. That? Yeah. So, God so, bless America. Yeah, really. I tell you what. You talk about craft brewing. You yes. talk about craft brewing and globalism. Yeah. That is all right. Um, so, so this is Blizzard of Hops. It's their winter IPA. I'm not a big IPA fan, as you know. I know. I know. But I will tell you that I do love the bottle. I love the winter colors and the blues and the whites. I am a I'm a winter guy. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little uh, thick at times, <laughs> and that insulates you for the winter. <laughs> ready, am, to, ready to hibernate. I'm I'm built for winter okay. more than I'm built for summer. So here we go. It is not my first choice of beer. Yes, I didn't figure it would be. It's but it's good. good. It's pretty you good. Know, isn't I, it? I know enough and have drank enough beer to know that if you like IPAs, this is a good IPA. It has you can you can taste the hops, but it doesn't have that bitter punch at the it's, end. It's, it's got that a, a tiny bitter, you know, a little bitter finish, right. but it's not that, eh, and no. it's not skunky. Some no. IPAs are skunky. Skunky. I don't, that's I don't the word like lo- the skunky. That's the word I'm looking for, yeah. skunky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- this is this is a this, this is a quality winter IPA. Not one I would drink because I'm not the IPA guy, but it is. It doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have that skunk. I like that's that's the word I'm looking for. Now. Um, we had pumpkin ale last pod. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Which would you prefer, the blizzard of hops oh. or the pumpkin ale? Uh, pump, I'm going to go with the blizzard of hops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an easy call. Pump, pumpkin ale was not... Yeah. I, I, mm. I, I really love the chocolate, and um, but I don't... Yeah, the pumpkin wasn't good. And I also don't like real sweet beers. We've had a few, we, we've had a few sweet beers you've brought in, yeah. like with berries and stuff, and that just does not... Yeah. I don't like the, yeah, I don't like them most of the time. They have to be done 
Uh, very well. All okay. Right. Well, we have a mess to figure out because we are sitting here. Let me check my calendar. Just uh, It's November 30th, and our election is over, I guess. Um, people, it's still— Most being, of us think it's over. Yes, most of us think it's over. Um, we have a president-elect. At least most of us think we have a president-elect. I was just reading some polling today that 70 to 80 percent of Republicans believe that Trump— won the election. Um, but then the, poll, the the article was... Actually won. Actually won, yes. The won, votes yes. were really counted right. fairly. And th- they went on to say they don't really know how accurate that number is, that polling sometimes, qu- and questions like that, people really answer what they want it to be true than really what they truly think is true. So I think maybe some of these numbers are being overblown. Um, but certainly there is a substantial number of people that believe this election is still up for grabs. Um, and... That is troublesome. It's really troublesome. But I know that you have um, an avenue that you would like to drive down here. Well, you know, it turned out that you and I, in the last pod, we were actually great prognosticators, you know, not unlike, I, I would say, second only in Pennsylvania to maybe Puxatawney Phil. Ooh, so Puxatawney Because, uh, you know, we predicted, as no one could possibly do, that Donald Trump was going to be a sore loser. I mean, who could have imagined that? But, you know, and it's just awful. And we talked about how it cast doubt on um, uh, the concept of free and fair elections, deciding who our leaders will be. But um, anyhow, uh, what Donald Trump does remind of, speaking of Puxatani, is Groundhog Day. Because the movie or the actual Groundhog Day, both to okay. a degree, but but especially the movie. And okay. I, I hope most of the listeners are familiar with the movie where um, you know Bill Murray lives he, the same day over and over, over and over. He goes to Puxatawney right. to see, and you know uh, the Groundhog make his his prediction and whether he'll see a shadow or not. And I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think it's one of the best com. It's, it's the best comedy I've ever seen. That's the one I've liked the most. Uh, and I think it's because it, it melds this. It's genuinely funny all the way through, but it melds it with a, a romantic comedy mm-hmm. and then some very serious ideas about you know mortality and stuff. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, you know, uh, Bill Murray's this guy named Phil, mm-hmm. uh, ironically named Puck, Phil, just like the Puxatani. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and he's he's chronically narcissistic. He cares only about himself and his career, and pretty much the whole movie is about how time getting up the same day beats that out of him eventually, and he and he becomes acceptable. Uh, to the woman he loves, you know, and, and uh, it's a great, great uh, movie. But anyhow, uh, Bill Murray is this narcissistic guy, and eventually he learns to get out of himself. And if you remember, there's a point where he does that. He 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 really loves Rita, but there's a point where he doesn't go to a meeting with Rita because he wants to take care of this old man mm-hmm. and he keeps trying to keep him from dying all they remember giving him <laughs> yeah. soup and yeah. keeping him warm and everything and finally he's in a hospital you know there's a scene and of course he's doing this every day and every day the guy's dying and and the, a woman tells him sometimes the, the nurse at the hospital they people just die that's the way it is and he learns compassion and at that point he becomes 
and gets out of them. So that's the event. He loves the, the, it starts with his wanting to be with this beautiful, sensitive woman. For selfish reasons. Yeah, exactly. And then that's not really selfish. He becomes altruistic. And um, anyhow, that didn't happen with Trump. <laughs> no, it did not. We, we have seen zero growth. <laughs> and, you know, what, what a narcissistic personality disorder involves a pattern of self-centered, arrogant thinking and behavior, a lack of empathy and consideration for other people, and an excessive need for admiration. That's a definition of the disorder they got. It's pretty much Trump. It right? is. And I, so I, every day in America for the last four years has been Groundhog Day. He gets out and he does his tweets, which are always about himself and how he's great or somebody's wronged him. They're never about anything but himself. It's always Groundhog Day in America. And I hope this election will finally get us out of Groundhog Day. <laughs> it won't. Yeah. Well, not with Trump. No, he's not Bill Murray. Um, yeah, the, when we talk about Trump and being a narcissist, one thing that always, I forget, I, this was not my original thought, um, but people had said, well, just look at pictures. Like, do you, are there photographs of him with his children playing football or walking the dog or playing in the snow or on vacation? You know, the man's one of the most photographed people in the world. You he know, plays golf. Is he, he plays golf. I've never seen him play golf with Barron. Um, you know, with any other of our presidents that I've seen pictures of, there's this human quality to them. They're with their family. They're with their children. They're on their ranch. They're at their home doing whatever they do as people. And you just don't have that with Trump. He lacks, at least in a public sphere, he lacks that human quality that says he cares about something else besides himself. And maybe it's there and it's just hidden. Certainly, I don't know the man. <laughs> it's just been hidden I, for, for a while. Right. So, and, and, you know, the tweets, you remember Roosevelt's term for the, the ability to, uh, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt's term, for the ability for the president to drive some issue. He called bully it pulpit. the bully yeah. pulpit. Well, you know, Trump changed the bully pulpit yes. to actually just being a, a bully. But I think of all the things that Trump has done, attacking the legitimacy of the 2020 election might be the most damaging in the long run. I agree with you. Um, we did a pod last year called Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. I don't know if you remember this. And I made the argument that Trump was the worst president because he's attacking the very foundation of our democracy. He's attacking the court systems. He's attack, and that was a big part of what I thought at the time. The court systems are what we rest upon to, to, to solve our constitutional questions. And if you're casting doubt on court systems, well, you're really casting a doubt on the, pro the, the process of how we determine constitutionality and how we interpret law. But this goes one step further. Now you are truly at the foundation of a democracy, and that's voting. If you don't trust the voting system. And so it goes back to this, tell me why I'm wrong. And um, I was right. Uh, Trump is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, again, I, I, yeah, I didn't have to be Notre Dame to, to pull that well, out. I, you know, and I think I was arguing that he wasn't as dangerous as he turned out to be. But here's a November 27th tweet. This is a direct quote. Biden can only enter the White House as president if he can prove that his ridiculous 80 million votes were not fraudulently or illegally obtained. When you see what happened in Detroit, Atlanta, Philadelphia... And Milwaukee, massive voter fraud. He's got a big unsolvable problem. 
So this is a couple days ago. He's directly casting doubt on the election in these states that he lost, Detroit, Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin. His ridiculous 80 million votes. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Somebody got that most votes of anybody in history. So he's that's what he's doing. He just can't accept loss. He can't accept that he was beaten by Biden. And he's doing these ridiculous things. Well, this week he gave an interview to Fox News where he now has the FBI involved, um, that the FBI and the Justice Department must be involved in cover-ups as well. Both of whom are headed by people he appointed. Right. And this is a crazy thing, too. You know, Bill Barr is the attorney general, and he's done nothing but carry water for the Trump administration. So how is the Department of Justice not doing what Trump What There's no logic to this at all. It's just attack, attack. Anything that might diminish him in any way in his eyes or in other people's eyes, he he attacks. I'm a a history teacher by trade. And um, in history, there are conspiracy theories and Holocaust denial uh, probably being one of the most egregious and disgusting of conspiracy theories. And as I was researching... Or the, you know, speaking of Jews, how about the protocol, the elders of Zion, Zion, there's all sorts of... And as I was researching tonight, one of the things I wanted to do was sort of break apart some of these conspiracy theories. And when I started to crack the nut, uh, I quickly stopped because... (laughs) What happens, and this is the same thing that happens when you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in the Holocaust. Um, it, as soon as you prove one thing that they say wrong, something out, then something else pops up. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And this is what, what about ism? There's actually a- yes, and this is a classic. This is a classic way to know if the person you're arguing with really has an argument. And if they really have an argument, it's going to be concise. It's probably going to be limited to a few things. And it's not going to be this whole wide range of what ifs that you can never quite nail down. Yeah. Right. It's like an amorphous blob. Exactly. Yeah. It's like trying it's like it's like trying to punch Stretch Armstrong. If yeah. you remember him from the 1970s, <laughs> that thing you stretched apart. You just kind of sink into it. And you can't. You, you because there isn't an argument here. I'll give you an ex- example of this. Um I was there's a conspiracy theory that says there's uh, watermarks on the ballots. All right, so in 2016, Q from QAnon uh, said, "Watch for the water." Well, no one really knew what that meant. Watch for the water. Well, in 2020, now there's people claiming that there's watermarks on the ballots that Trump put watermarks on the ballots. He was able to do that because but he, they're printed by the state. Shut up a second! Don't get don't get there yet. <laughs> <laughs> that because he knew that there would be fraud and through what so but then suddenly no 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 they are non radioactive isotopes that are being used and if you shine those under a certain light that light will show that ballot and you'll know that ballot is false because this is one that's been inserted in to prove. But, how so you, did did you get that on the internet? I'm assuming I got that on the internet off Facebook off one of the people I follow. Uh, you know, I think we all have some crazy people in our lives, and we can kind of go to their Facebook feeds or whatever and pull out some nice conspiracy theories. I friend those people. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. I, I hide them, and then I go and then I go read their crazy stuff some more. But how, how do you argue with that? Like, how do you argue? As, as you point out, now why is that ridiculous? 
But yeah, it's hard to know which thread to pull out of that. Because right. the whole it's it, the federal well, it's government like Hitler said, the big lie is more easily believed right. than you know a more a smaller, more specific lie that you could you know attach to a certain time, date, logical sequence of events. I mean, this is just made out of whole cloth. Right. The federal government doesn't print ballots. The states print their ballots, but most states don't even print their own ballots. They're outsourced to a company who prints their ballots. So now the and so when you start doing the walking through, like what would really have to happen to get watermarks on ballots, it's almost like the candy assassination. You know, everyone's involved, everyone did it, and everyone knew, and no one's innocent. You know, it's just it just defies logic. Well, in 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 Georgia. Uh, you know, which hadn't gone uh, Democratic in like 30 years for a Democratic candidate for president. Um, and, uh, you know, they voted for Biden. I guess that really irritated uh, Trump. And he called, he attacked the, the Republican governor of Georgia. And again, we have this theme, the people getting attacked now. It's the, This is not Democratic, uh, you know, versus Republican. That's not what we're talking about, Democrats versus Republican. Uh, we're talking about, you know, I mean, uh, well, Fox News is now part of the lamestream media, and they can't be trusted. Right. So now you're going to. Well, they called, didn't they? Call Arizona. They call or Arizona. Arizona. They say that by so now you have to go to more extreme things like Newsmax and Breitbart because Fox News is now part of the problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Trump said on Fox News in that interview you talked about that Brian Kemp has done absolutely nothing to question the state's results and that he was ashamed he endorsed them in for election in 2018. So that's attacking a Republican. He also attacked the state's use of Dominion voting machines, which he said were programmed to switch Trump votes to Biden votes. Now, that sounds serious. So they did a full... Yeah, Georgia is one of the states that did a full recount. They did a hand recount. People count these votes. So over 5 million votes. And that showed that Trump lost by 12,000 votes still. So now what's wrong? Well, what's the, do you know any more about the D Dominion? Well, Dominion is the company that makes the voting machines, right? And they've been – now, it's not like they're – states are buying these things off of Amazon at the cheapest price, right? So it's not like, well, we'll, we'll do these voting machines. Now, all these voting machines have to be approved uh, by regulations in each state. And I think there's even federal regulations for voting machines as well. Um, to give you an example, the, how asinine some of this stuff becomes is that the voting machines are actually part of Venezuela and uh, Hugo Chavez. That's the origins of these voting machines. Well, that's not true at all. Uh, the voting machines are actually, the company was formed and created in very controversial Canada. Canada. I think Toronto. Not for their subversive politics. Yes. Um, well, these, they do have universal health care there. <laughs> um, these voting machines have been out for a long, long time. Um, they've been incredibly reliable. Uh, and the... True, the proof of their reliability is what's happened in Georgia, that you had the voting machines. They voted, tabulated all of them. They said that Biden was the winner. Uh, and without uh, Trump asking, they did a recount because it was so close. They did a hand recount because there is a, a paper ballot with each. So and guess what? It matches with, with within 
a very small number. Uh, 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 within at least it was an air of less than 2,000 votes and f- over 5 million. Right. So nothing that would have changed the outcome. And that's why of they the do election. recounts because when you do a recount, you know that the final the first time you get a final number, it's not right. You counted millions of votes. There's going to be a glitch somewhere, um, and it's usually a couple hundred votes, and that's exactly what happened. And, and you know, Homeland. I saw the the <clears throat> the head of the Department of was it Homeland Security? Was that the one that said the elections were the fairest in American history that he knows about? But right. anyhow, he and Trump has dismissed him since. But he said that they were very careful this time, too, to get the paper ballots, which we had talked about that before, the similar kinds of machines and a similar and to have a paper ballot so you could have something you can recount, something that's right there. And you don't have to, uh, you know, there aren't numbers that are made up somewhere or just located in one place. Now, Republican, uh, the Georgia Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, wrote an op-ed in USA Today. And he said uh, this about Trump. My family voted for him, donated to him, and are now being thrown under the bus by him. So this is not, again, it's not Democratic versus Republicans. The people that he is, the people that control the apparatus of voting in Georgia were all Republican. Right. And... Trump has a problem because he lost, because he's a narcissist. Now, uh, good for uh, Brad Raffensperger. He goes on to state that elections are the bedrock of our democracy, which should be obvious. Now, of course, we live in Pennsylvania, and we had we did predict this. We predicted that Trump would go to court, and we predicted the possibility that some people would argue some of Trump's supporters, in this case, it was Rudy Giuliani, that they should throw out the vote and let the state legislature seat the electors. Mm -hmm. So in other words, overturn a whole election. So he goes to the federal district court, okay, and they they say there's widespread fraud. And this goes to the federal district court in Philly. Right. So the ruling of them was fair, free elections are the lifeblood of our democracy. Charges of unfairness are serious, but calling an election unfair doesn't make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. Specific allegations and then proof. This is what courts want. Well, according to, but in Trump, he has the backwards because he says, Biden has to prove that the votes are fair, (laughs) which is not how our legal system works. So they go on to say, we have neither here. So this is the opinion written by the Third Circuit Judge, Stephanos Bibos. And guess who appointed him to his position? Uh, Bernie Sanders. (laughs) You're exactly right. It was was Hugo Chavez. It was a Trump appointee. And the other two judges on the panel were... Republicans. I mean, this is gets crazier and crazier. So it goes to the PA Supreme Court, and then they challenge the use of mail-in ballots. This is a little different than fraud. You shouldn't have used mail-in ballots in the first place. Okay, it's not constitutional. We talked about this in one of our previous. Yeah, pods. we said that they were going to challenge it, and, and this is exactly yes. what they did. And uh, they called on the Pennsylvania Secretary of State to cancel all mail-in ballots, or, if not, to empower the state legislature to appoint new electors. So they can throw out these millions of votes 
And just like the state legislature. And disenfranchise millions, millions of, people, of, of, of people, people in the state of Pennsylvania. So, and this is interesting because, and we mentioned this before, but uh, the legislature passed the measure to broaden mail-in ballot, <coughs> mail-in voting in October 2019. And both the House and the Senate in Pennsylvania are controlled by Republicans. Republicans. So they're complaining about a law that was passed by Republicans. Overwhelmingly. They, overwhelmingly. And so the ruling was... This was not, by the way, we're, Jeff and I are from Pennsylvania, uh, and probably most of our listeners are from Pennsylvania as well. But if you're not, when this when that vote was taken in the state legislature, that was not a controversial vote. It was a slam dunk. Obviously, during a pandemic, you're going to open voting to more people. Um, well, this was done before the pandemic. You're right. It was done before yeah. the pandemic. Um, so this was not... This was, I think, I don't, I don't know, I don't think it was unanimous vote, but it was, it was close. I remember the vote count, and it was close to unanimous. Yeah, yeah, the Republicans, because mail-in vote, usually in old, in previous elections, a lot of older voters cast their vote by mail-in ballots, right. and they might be absentee, too. There might be the snowbirds that go down to Florida, whatever. So they... Absentee ballots usually help Republicans. And the no, reason, no, nobody was complaining about this. And just to give you a little primer again on why that was necessary in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has a unique clause in its constitution that lists specific reasons for absentee ballots. One, two, three, four, five. And if it doesn't fit that, it can't be an absentee ballot. Therefore, to make it constitutional, we had to create a separate category called mail-in ballots. So we have this two-tier system, which is identical but we had to call them different things to, to maintain the constitutionality of it. Okay. Well, the ruling was, well, the legislature passed a measure to broaden mail-in voting in October 2019. The suit was not filed until a year later, showing what the court called a complete failure to act with due diligence. If this was unconstitutional, you'd think you would challenge it right away. But you wait till your guy lost. Which right, and is that is kind of suspicious. Right, and that is, I forget, the, there's a legal term for that, that you can't wait until after the results and you don't <laughs> like the results and then challenge the constitutionality of it. Because then that's implying that if it had gone your way, you'd have been okay with it, the, unconstitu- <clears throat> the, the unconstitutional part of it. Um, I was just looking something up here on Dominion voting machines in Pennsylvania. There was claims that 941,000 votes for President Trump in Pennsylvania were deleted. The 14 counties using Dominion systems produced 1.3 million votes, representing a voter turnout of 76%, which is good. 52% of those votes went to President Trump. So even in the counties uh, where Dominion was used, those votes went to Donald Trump, 51%. Dominion doesn't even operate in some contested districts, including Philadelphia, Allegheny County, Milwaukee, and Dane County in different states. So some- You're saying it's not Hugo Chavez. Obviously, it's Hugo (laughs) Chavez. I mean, that just goes without saying. Uh, Hugo Chavez has come back from the dead to talk to Bernie Sanders to get along with AOC to throw the election. Like- it's this idea that your government is relatively incompetent uh, at some level. Not relatively, but right. But incompetent also uh, that 
It's almost the deep state again. Right. But and somehow it's they can also morph themselves into superhero precision that they're able oh, to yeah. that, that they're able to tell ninja in votes that are so secret and so well done that you can never possibly see it. And, and no court can acknowledge it. And no it. court can acknowledge it. No court can see it. But only if you it it, it doesn't make a little bit of sense. And I, I want to say this as well, is this is dangerous on two fronts. The first thing that's dangerous is obviously you're undercutting the um, uh, the faith in the voting system. But you know what? The voting system isn't perfect. The voting system can fail us. Sure. And this idea that you're crying wolf when there is no wolf is going to hurt the next time when maybe there is a wolf and we do have to, there is voter fraud or something does happen and people aren't. Country does hack the election. And people aren't going to believe that because it wasn't true last time. We do know in 2016 that foreign governments did attempt to hack into uh, voter registration areas. I, right. I'm probably using the wrong terminology there. We do I think know all 50 states is what they've been. We know all 17 of our uh, intelligence agencies said that Russia was using social media to try to sway the election towards Donald Trump. And, now, and by the way, let's talk about this just a second. We have some analytics that allow us to see who is look where people are looking right. at our podcast and one of the things we've noticed for two years now is right, russia is russia now that's very odd and the yeah. only thing i can think of is that politics is in the, the name of the podcast and it kicks it out to some you right. know uh, Some so, bot picks it up yeah. somewhere. So yeah, so we could, that's an interesting point that we I, we do get a global analysis of where our podcast is downloaded. And Just a shout out to our listeners in Australia. Uh, hey, yeah, hey. how you doing? And <laughs> Moscow, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it, you know, if you if anyone is listening in Australia, we would love an email. I mean, oh my god, that would make our <laughs> that would make our whole week and month to get get yeah. to get something. Go Facebook and leave a message. Oh, something. that'd be epic. But so I do think that this is dangerous on multiple levels. Um, it's dangerous because we are not trusting. It's dangerous because the next time we have to, uh, there might be people aren't going to listen. I have a question for you. What do we do now? How do we begin to fix what is broken or not really, or what's perceived broken? Do we have to, quote unquote, using air quotes here, fix something that isn't broken? Is it necessary now to have these big hearings just to prove to everyone collectively or won't they believe or won't the people? Yeah, I I don't. I mean, each state, as we had talked about from the beginning of these episodes about the election, each state decides. I, I don't think some kind of. National inquiry is necessary. Each state is certified and looked at it. The courts have been overseeing the process in every... And you even, you know, I I mentioned the the Republican officials in Georgia, the Secretary of State's in charge of saying there's no fraud. That's just the way it is. But he called, you know, Trump called the guys down from Michigan. He wanted, again, to go through, he wanted the Michigan legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, to somehow overturn and say that the votes in Detroit, it's funny where black people live, how the votes aren't good and where black people live for some reason. But, uh, but you know, they refused. To their credit, they refused. I mean, a lot, we, we do have people standing up for democracy. But, uh, you know, 
Let's get, I think people need to be educated. And of course, this is probably my utopian hope as an educator. And we talked about Madison before, but Madison said this about, uh, you know, uh, public opinion, politics, and elections. He, he said in Federalist 10, there are, again, two methods of removing the causes of faction. Faction, he said, would destroy democracies. The one by destroying the liberty, which is essential to its existence. In other words, you have to be free to, to read and speak and to have a faction. You have to have freedom of association. Or the other, by giving to every citizen the same opinions. And we've been to the Holocaust Museum. We saw how that was done. The Germans had, what, 10 million of those little radios. Remember they handed out? Yep. And there's no, uh, all, you know, there, there could be no uh, alternative explanation for things. Those people would be uh, dealt with by the appropriate authorities, the Gestapo. And so, you see, so we can't do that. And that's what he says. He says, if you're going to have liberty, you're going to have factions. So, and we talked about this before. So the remedy is to have as many factions as possible. And you don't get a group. There has to be a coalition. It's never going to last very long. So in other words, you're going to be put out sometime. You're not going to like who wins. And I get back, <laughs> you know, un unfortunately, we've had more and more challenges to legitimacy we know the Clinton impeachment was, uh, you know, it's ostensibly over perjury involving a suit bought by Paula Jones, who said when Clinton was governor, he acted inappropriately. And, you know, I don't want to go into the details of that. As part of that, they were able to question Clinton about because it's a he said, she said about right. a pattern of behavior. So they questioned about Monica Lewinsky. And he said he didn't have sex with that woman, which, you know, turned That's out. a lie. Yeah. It turned out not to be true. So they, uh, you know, they impeached him for that. Because he lied under oath. He lied under oath. He perjured himself. And, of course, he violated the well-known provision in the Constitution, which says, you know, President, no high crimes and misdemeanors, no oral sex, which is <laughs> specifically says in the Constitution. So, but later on... After that, you know, Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House. It turned out he had affairs. Then they got Bob Livingston in there. He was Speaker of the House, which is kind of He lasted weird. like five minutes. Yeah, he had four affairs, I think, came out. Finally, they had Dennis Hastert, yeah. who, who came in there. And Dennis Hastert, uh, you know, prosecuted this. But later on, Henry Hyde, who was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, which is involved, obviously, in, in initially recommending that the charges to that whole House for impeachment, uh, Henry Hyde said uh, when he was asked about Clinton proceedings, uh, if they were a payback for Nixon's impeachment, he says, I can't say it wasn't. <laughs> I can't say it wasn't. This is a guy who let Henry Hyde. Now, just as an aside by Dennis Hastert, they actually, do you know about Dennis Hastert? He eventually, go ahead. Was it little kids? Yes. Okay. I, 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 I thought, but I didn't want to say that he out loud. He was a teacher and co coach at Yorkville High School, and uh, he was paying hush money because evidently as a wrestling coach, he was molesting young boys. So anyhow, I always always look at politicians that they might be lying to you about things. But but anyhow, Henry Hyde said, I can't say and And that's what I wanted to, to get out. I can't say it wasn't. So they're going after this guy. And basically getting him out of trying to get him out of being president, which Clinton won pretty convincingly yes. both times. Is that what we want to do? And then with Obama, we know that Trump 
sort of separated himself from that large pack of, of people running in 2016 for the Republican nomination by his advocacy of birtherism. Yes. You know, where where's that birth certificate? And of course, what, and we all know this, but you know, what they have in Hawaii is this certificate of live birth. It's yeah. not called a birth certificate. And you could actually get a mug from the Obama campaign that had that wrapped <laughs> a copy of it. Plus, there were announcements in the newspaper. Right. I mean, it was ridiculous. Birtherism is ridiculous. But birtherism says, you know, the idea is he's not a natural born citizen. Therefore, he is not legitimate. He's not legitimate. Right. You know? And also, and in the background, of course, you have the dog whistle. He's also black. Right. You know, and how can you have a black and a, guy? And a Muslim. Right? Yes. So we, we compound the problem. Yeah, yeah. So there has been an attempt more on the left than the right to delegitimize sitting presidents. Um, more on the left than the right? More to, to do it to the left. Oh, right. Yeah, the, right. the attacks come more from the right to attack the left, right. to delegitimize a presidency. And I think we do a disservice not to call that out, to say things are equal. They aren't equal. No, they're not equal about this. If you look at the rhetoric of both parties, um, and if you were to play a speech from um, uh, Bill Clinton and then play a speech from Obama, a lot of, a lot of similar thing, a lot of similar um, ideas and similar uh, thoughts will come up. If you do the same thing with Trump and uh, George W. Bush, for example, it's going to sound very different. Um, there is a... a not there is a streak of extremism that's happening within the right part on the the right here. It's reactionary. And it we, is. We can talk about is reactionary to the changing uh, demographics in the United States, and and uh, you know where you have white male, or their power is being challenged in certain ways, and categories are being challenged certain ways, um, and that's true. Yeah, we, so maybe, we can't say it's a, you know, they always want to do both sides. And it's not both sides. It's not. Sometimes it is, but this one isn't. All right, so we're going to call it there for our pod. We're going to come back next week. God knows what we're going to talk about because we have no idea what the news is going to um, give us. And I'm assuming that most of the uh, lawsuits will be completely settled. The last count I saw was uh, 39 losses and one win. So the one in 39. Uh, as of right now. But we'll come back next week and fill in on what's going on. Thanks for coming. Yep.